welcome for the listeners. Welcome to the archive. My name is Sierra, and today we have the wonderful um, Tanya Calvin here. Um, they are a poet, a writer, um, an archivist. Oh, what what else did your signature say? Future ancestor, which I really love. <laughs> um, yeah. So much um, that you do. Um, and yeah, they, they also are um, gifting us with a, a few of their works for our book giveaway, um, which we're really excited for, um, and especially to have like another local person be in this like giveaway. Um, but yeah, so I guess before we talk about like you, what your work is, um, I read it and I was just like, oh, this is a lot of like reflection that I have to do now. You know, there, there's a lot of like, Oh man, and not in a bad way, but it's just like the weight of the world. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so, but I, like, I really want to center joy and like, you know, just different experiences. And so for you, um, this past year has been hectic for a lot of people in different ways. Um, but what have you been able to create or find joy in um, and or like deep reflection? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... It's interesting that you asked that question because I feel like I've been in a very unique situation where I've actually been very blessed this year. Um, I graduated college this year and I got like a salary job and like have like an archivist position now and I actually have time to like work on my art and things like that. So I've had a lot of opportunities to like reflect on the opportunities that I've been provided with or not provided with, but I guess that I've like worked my ass off for um, that it feels like it's finally all coming together. Um, and so a lot of what I've been working on has been submissions. Um, I wanted to kind of, at first I wanted to just release um, a project of my own, which is why I released my chapbook, um, Liminal and Other Poems. And so I did that, but after that, I honestly was really exhausted. And I was like, I wanna keep writing, but I can't keep, cause I was doing this thing where I was like coming out with a zine or like some kind of um, written and visual content every season. And it was very um, draining. And so for, a while I wanted to just focus on submissions to other publications that I wouldn't have to worry about doing the layout or anything like that. So I submitted to a couple of my friends' publications. I have a friend, Latrell Broughton, who is, um, I love Latrell, he's a photographer and he's putting together a magazine called Blue Book Magazine. And it's like for African people and people of the African diaspora. Um, thinking about home, which was why I was really interested to hear you talk about that a podcast episode that you did with Ebony. Um, and so that was really cool, but that what I submitted to that was not new work. It was work that I had actually done for the performance that I'll talk a little bit about later. But um, another work that I submitted to is the zine um, called Rigmarole. And um, I think that's how you pronounce it. I've never, I had never seen the word Rigmarole until like I had literally heard of the zine. But um, some of my friends from college do it. Um, and uh, it's super like, like everybody that's in the zine, I feel like I know in some way because we all went to school together. And so it feels very communal. 
Um, and even though like I don't know know everybody in the zine, it still feels like we're in conversation because there's always like a topic or something like that. And those come out every season. And so I wrote something for the autumn, I think it was the like autumnal equinox issue. It hasn't come out yet, but they're working on it. Um, and that one was a poem about rage that actually did bring me a lot of joy because it's really fun to read out loud. Um, it's about rage, but <clears throat> about sort of the, all the things that come from rage that are not necessarily bad. Um, and I think that as like a Black femme, like, especially a Black disabled femme whose like anxiety comes out a lot as anger, like, I used to yell at people all the time, like all the time I was like known for it. And it was just like, people would be like, you're obnoxious, like you're intimidating, like all these things. And it was just like, I learned after a certain point that it was like, because I'm angry. <laughs> and so like, oh, like there's that song by Solange, was like mad. I love that song. <laughs> um, I like heard that song and I was like, this is exactly how I feel. Um, so that poem, I played a little bit with form and actually thought a lot about how it would be read out loud when I was writing it. And so that was super fun. And then I worked on a submission for a like cutie pock zine about intimacy. I'm not sure when that one's coming out. Everybody who's making these zines is like really busy and like has like day jobs. And so it's just like hectic. But, um, this person is working on a zine about intimacy buying for queer and trans POC and um that one writing that one was super fun because I wrote like a love poem and I hadn't written a love poem in a really long time but it's just like I feel like when you explore like uh queer and trans relationships there's like something that wakes up and something that is like oh that like what you're talking about like we deserve joy and like we deserve to be able to like talk about these things and so it was it was really refreshing to be able to write about something that like makes me feel full and like whole um and I don't want to say like complete because like I, no other person like completes me I don't really like believe that but like definitely like full in a way that is like a lot has been taken from us and when I feel like I can love my other partners or like whoever I'm with at the time then that's like something really beautiful and I like being able to write about that. So those are some things. I also wrote an essay for a submission for another magazine and I hadn't written an essay in a really long time so that was super fun. I'm editing it now. Editing it is not super fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the last thing I'm working on that's actually due on Tuesday, um, oh my God, um, is a submission to a queer and trans Afro-Latinx anthology. Oh, yeah, I saw um, yeah, so I'm submitting to that. I know the person that's organizing it. I don't like know, know them, but I've like met them before. Um, and I sort of like slid them an email and I was just like, hey, <laughs> um, because if I, if I got, if my submission got accepted to that magazine, that would be really amazing. And so I'm trying to like manifest that. But that one's about like memory and 
how queer and trans Afro-Latinx people create care and like spaces of care for each other and then like imagining futures and like world building together so that's what I've been working on wow that's a lot this is like yeah. so, there's so many like little things to pull from first congratulations on graduating because that is that's a whole thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and then also just like all of those care love rage all of these emotions and that's just what they are at the like the essence of it they're just different mm -hmm. types of emotions um but how the ways in which we're not always allowed to express those or we have to tiptoe or whatever sort of like limitations people place on us or we place upon ourselves um mm -hmm. but i think like being able to say oh no i can find something mm -hmm. pleasurable about this i can i can um I can't acknowledge myself. I can't say, oh, I am angry and like I have a right to be angry, you know? Um, but also like I I am a loving person. I can't give love, I can't receive love, I can't care. Um, and I think that like being able to have the time, especially like you're young, <laughs> you know, especially like having having that that time and space and, and giving yourself that time and space to reflect on these things and and deepen your relationship to them. I think that that's like incredibly important. Um, and mm -hmm. it's also very apparent in your work. Um, and so we talked a little bit about it, um, about your work here and there, but can you tell us um, more about um, your poetry book and your zines and how did, how did that come together? What was your process around? Yeah, well, I'll start with the zines because those came first, but I actually started making zines in high school. Um, Shout out, shout out to uh, Zareen Karimi and Emma Isaacs because they were two visual artists that, well, they are. They're two visual artists that um, were in my grade at the school I went to. Um, I went to private high school and like on a full scholarship, which is like a whole other, but anyway. Um, and we made a really cool zine together. It's like, it's called Años Ajenos, which, which means like the foreign years. Um, and it's one zine facing one way and then you flip it and then it's another zine. Um, so it like varies depending on which way it's facing. And so I did that. I made a couple other zines with friends in high school. And then when I got to college, I started selling my zines because I was like, I'm putting labor into this and people should pay me for it. <laughs> um, so I made that choice. And then um, Forgive Yourself is a zine that I actually made because I took a photo class um, my sophomore year of high school. And then the summer after that, I had a point and shoot camera that I was using um but the camera broke and so i thought that the film that was inside that i had shot with it was ruined and i never developed the film um but then years later my sister who's a photographer came back home from new york where she was living at the time and she developed the film for me um and the, most of the photos did come out and so i had this like these two rolls of film that were suddenly developed that had photos from when i was like 16 years old um, like that summer after my sophomore year before my junior year of high school and it was like so strange and like disorienting to see those photos because I I have a really 
um, something that happens when you have a lot of different mental health disorders or like trauma is uh, your memory gets really messed up. And so it's very hard to like retrieve memories. Um, and I think as an archivist, um, it's, you think about memory a lot and I think that's why I'm so obsessed with like actual physical things bringing back memory because it, physical things really help me um, break through that barrier that I have because of my bipolar disorder. Um, and so I had these photos and suddenly I remembered what that summer was like and how confused I was and how lost I felt and um, trigger warning like bipolar disorder and like addiction and like all that. Um, all that comes with mental health disorders but um I sort of saw these photos and wanted to dig more into the archive and I like went um through all of my old journals from high school um I've kept a journal since like ever since I like knew how to write, I feel like I've had a journal and I have all of them. They're like in boxes in my room because I'm like an archivist. So of course they're like there. Um, and so what I did for Forgive Yourself is I basically went through those journals and picked out parts and I scanned parts and I typed up some parts that I wrote and took the photos and put together a compilation um, in a zine that's a reflection of what it was like for me to go through episodes of depression and mania and addiction and trauma, like all of these things as a teenager, um, but a reflection from the point of view as someone who was now correctly diagnosed, because I had been diagnosed as a teenager, but I had been misdiagnosed. Um, they thought that it was just regular depression and anxiety, and so they put me on some medication that actually ended up making my bipolar disorder, which is what I actually had, um, worse. And so I wanted to reflect on that as I was like going on this path of like trying new medications and like going on antipsychotics for the first time, which like anybody who's been on antipsychotics, like shout out to us for like getting through that because antipsychotics are really intense and they sort of take over your whole body and your whole mind in a way that I at least had not been expecting to ever experience. Um, and so that was Forgive Yourself. And that one I feel like could be seen as really dark. I mean, everything I just talked about is really, is not things that people like to think about, but I feel like the reflection part of it um, makes it so that I was looking at the, the parts where, yeah, I was like suffering a lot and like going through it, but and like in my bag, but like, and just like, in a way, I feel like making that zine was just really cathartic and like healing. And so then Juntos was sort of like a continuation of that, but with more exploration of my cultural identity. Um, and so I took a class, I was a Latin American, a Latinx and Latin American studies and Black studies double major in college. And so um, I took, I went to Amherst College and I took uh, for one of my requirements, a major debates in Latin American studies class with um, Professor Sonia Corañas Bolton, shout out to them. They're, they're, I'll talk about them more in a little bit because they're actually the one that um, advised me for the special topics course that I did for my performance. But they have always supported me um, whenever I wanted to make art instead of writing a paper for my classes. 
um I got really tired writing papers really quick in college I was like this and it's not because I'm like bad at it like I actually I'm a writer so it's like I actually like I can flex on a paper if I really want to but like I don't particularly want to like I don't like who's gonna read who's gonna read my like 20 page paper like nobody so that's not what I want like <laughs> so um I asked Sony if I could make a zine instead and so I based it off of some research I had done in um in another class that I took with uh Solcide del Moral who is an Afro-Puerto Rican uh, professor at Amherst College, and she taught a class called Afro, um, Afro-Latines, and that class was pretty transformative for me because it was the first time that I had been in a space that was specifically designated for talking about the intersection of Black and Latin American culture. Um, I feel like I had always known Afro-Latinx people, but I had never considered myself Afro-Latinx. I had never heard the term Afro-Latinx. So that class like changed a lot for me. And I did my research um, on in that class on Afro-Mexican people because I was like, I know our situation is different because like I'm Black and Mexican-American and I'm not Afro-Mexican because those experiences like are really different. Like I didn't grow up in Mexico, so I can't really... I don't know anything about what it was like to grow up in Mexico, so I can't really talk about that. Um, but like, I know what it's like to live at the intersection of Mexicanidad and like blackness um, in a U.S. context. So I based Juntos off of that research, and I interviewed family members, which was really special to me, um, and I. I interviewed my grandma specifically, my abuelita, which was really powerful for me, I think, to be able to like sit with her and share that space with her. And then, yeah, I put together that zine for my final. I decided to sell it, so I did that. And then Liminal and Other Poems, I made that because I did a special topics course uh, called Queer Black Skin Art where I, with Sony, um, where I basically, because my Black Studies department wanted me to write a thesis and I didn't want to write a thesis. I was, I had no interest in writing a thesis. I was like, I don't really, I didn't really feel like sitting in front of like three professors and like defending my like spirituality and like my artwork for a grade. Even the, the like, the word of like how you go you go up there to defend is like yeah it's really it's yeah <laughs> yeah and I was just like and I had known people who had written theses and knew what their experiences were like and I was like I just want to do a ritual I don't care about what Amherst College thinks about my ritual and I don't really care about graduating with or without honors like you I literally went manic several times because school was so intense. So like, I was like, I'm done sacrificing my mental health for this institution that was like never for me in the first place. Like Amherst College, like all these institutions, like Yale, like Princeton, like Northwestern, like 
they were not made for people like me and you. So it's like, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to like kiss ass to these people so that they can like accept my, like, no, I'm not doing it. So I designed my own class because I still knew I wanted to do some kind of big project. And I don't know how I decided that I wanted to do a performance, but I had taken some theater and dance classes specifically with Ninozka Escobar, who is an Afro-Honduran um, dancer, performer, elder. I don't even know that that woman has done so much for me. Like, I love her so much. And I feel like she, if I, if she were here, she'd be like, I haven't really done anything. And I'm like, no, and you know, it's not like you have done everything. Um, <laughs> but so I wanted to do a performance. I wanted to do a healing ritual based off of everything that I had researched for Juntos and in all of my classes. Um, I had studied abroad in Guanajuato, Mexico for a semester and a lot of what came up in Liminal, the performance, um, started there. And so it was a lot of investigating like spirituality in both my cultures, like my ancestral cultures, um, and investigating like, I read a lot of lesbian poetry, which was like super fun. I can't believe I got credit for reading like basically like softcore lesbian porn, but it was like, <laughs> I was reading like Pat Parker and like Audre Lorde and like Nikki Giovanni. And I was just like, this is wonderful. Um, <laughs> this is everything I could have ever wanted. Um, and like, I don't identify as a lesbian, but I definitely identify with like being queer and being bisexual in a way that is like very particular to being attracted to like other feminine people. Um, and so, yeah, that's that. And then the chapbook came because I had money from a fellowship that I got right before the pandemic and I never got to do the fellowship, but I still got the money. And so my advisor, um, Sarah Smith, and Mike Kelly for the Lane, it's called the, the Lane Fellowship for Creative Artists or something. It's like, it's a fellowship that you're supposed to do with the archives as an artist, and you do like a creative project. And it was me and one other person that got awarded the fellowship, but we never got to do it. So they still gave us the money and they were just like, do whatever you want. And I was like, well, I never published the poems from this performance or these other, I think it's like four other poems, four or five other poems at the end. Um, and I just wanted to publish them because people had been asking to see them. So that's how those three projects came about. So they're all like within the same thread, but they're, they're different. I love that there's, there's so much emphasis on community and um, people, especially like femme people, especially femme, like black femme people <laughs> yeah. you, um, and making, making these things happen for you. Um, and you were, you were alluding to it a little bit about like your experience in school and certainly how these institutions are not made for us. And they mm -hmm. are, I went to Middlebury. And so I, I, <gasps> listen, I know, <laughs> I, I'm aware. Um, yeah. and, and so how, how hectic the energy can be, especially in your like final days, your final semesters or whatever. Um, 
and but but also for you having that community and having these professors mm-hmm. um, supporting you what was it what was your experience like creating these projects creating these works um, with the backdrop of your school mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I feel like I've always had like a this really push and pull toxic relationship with PWIs, uh, like private white institutions and like academia in general. I went to, so like I said, I went to a private high school that was mostly white, um, mostly Jewish, very, very wealthy. The last time I checked the tuition was $40,000 a year, um, which is like as much as college, which is like ridiculous. And then I went to Amherst College, which is like almost $70,000 a year. So I went to these two institutions and by the time I got to Amherst, I sort of knew what was up. I sort of knew how to navigate these circles. I knew how to like put on a certain face and put on a certain voice to get like money, for example. Like if I needed to go to the financial aid office, like I knew how to do that. Um, what I didn't know was that I was done, like completely 100% done reading old white men. And I still had to do it for a lot of my classes. And, and also like old white women, like Amherst, Emily Dickinson was born in Amherst. And so like so much of what is in Amherst is just about Emily Dickinson. And like, as a poet, as a poet, as a black, queer femme poet, I do not identify with anything that Emily Dickinson has ever written about. So I am no interest. And it was just like really, so it was interesting because for that reason and for several other reasons, I didn't take any English classes at Amherst, which now I kind of regret because there are some black femme um, professors and black women professors at Amherst um, in the English department who are really cool that I sort of missed um, opportunities to take classes with them. I had to learn very quickly how to advocate for myself and decide what I wanted and like make that happen. Because at Amherst, like it's very easy to fall into the trap of like going into finance or like fall into the trap of just like looping back and going straight into academia as a professor. Which like, I am sort of looping back and going straight into academia as an archivist, but that's a very different position. It's, I have a lot more freedom in what I'm allowed to do as a staff versus a faculty. Um, And I think that Amherst College, because it's open curriculum and because despite the bullshit like diversity equity and inclusion like blah 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 that we know is fake in the process of that they hire people that are actually really dope as fuck so i was able to meet people like ninasca escobar like Solcida del moral like sony coranias bolton like all of these people that were there for me when i needed them to be um and even other people like my therapist, Lola Brown, who was like super dope, who was always there for any student of color, especially black students, especially Afro-Latina students, especially like queer students. Like, And I think that this is 
I don't mean to say that Amherst College is a great college because it's not, because the only way that people get access to these resources is by knowing what you need and knowing how to ask for it. And I don't know, I don't really have any advice for how to do that other than I felt like I was literally dying and like I needed help. And so I needed to figure out what to do to like, cause I was like, go, I was like, there's this thing in bipolar disorder called rapid cycling where you like go from manic to depressive and back and forth very quickly. Um, like within the span of a couple of weeks. And basically that was like happening to me for a while. Um, I would like, I would like, uh, I would like not sleep for days. And then I would sleep for like 18 hours every night for like four days straight. So it's like, it just, it was very strange. Um, and that all was happening and I knew I needed help. And so I reached out to everybody. I reached out to professors. I reached out and like through the process of that, learned how to talk about the things we were learning in class in relationship to my own identity. Um, especially because the whole reason I wanted Lola to be my therapist, Lola Brown to be my therapist was because she's a black woman, she's an Afro-Latina woman. And um, I, as a black studies major, was investigating and researching slavery and um, everything. It, like, and like going into the archives about slavery, which like when you do that and you see things like bills of sale for like people or like you see a like insurance receipt for like people, like insurance claims for like people's bodies that were thrown overboard. Like these things affect you. And so I needed to go to my professors. And like, for example, with Ninoska, like we read, um, we were supposed to read For Colored Girls by Ntozaki Shange, which is a very powerful piece. And I love that piece, but I can never get through it because it's very triggering. Um, it's very, very, very triggering. It's beautiful and definitely within the canon that I refer to, but I can't get through it. Um, and so I went to go meet with Professor Escobar and broke down in her office and was like, this is triggering. This is why this is triggering for me. Like, and after that, we had a relationship where I was able to talk to her about performance. It was an African-American theater history class. And so we talked about performance and we talked about theater and we talked about history and we talked about Black history and Black theater, which is so different than white theater. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so that's that was the background of me like being able to draw on these resources and draw from these people and be like hey i want to make a healing ritual and i want to invite people to it and you can call it a performance if you want because it's easiest to call it a performance but basically i'm trying to heal myself and i want you all to be there um and so all of these people were at my performance um and lola wasn't because people be busy you know but um she was there in spirit for sure and I think I feel very proud of myself that I was able to grow enough to get to a place where I could ask those questions for myself and insist that the institution support me 
um, cause I got money from the institution and what did I buy with the money? Herbs. Like <laughs> herbs, uh, some bowls, some frames. I printed photos. Like I bought books. I bought like $200 worth of books just for myself. Um, those lesbian poetry books, Amherst College paid for them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it's, I, it's not easy. It definitely wasn't an easy process. I had to fight a lot of people, but mostly I had to fight myself and fight the belief that I was not good enough to pull it off. Um, because I was like, fuck it. I've never done performance before, but like, not that it like can't be that hard, but like, I could do it. I knew I could do it. And I did do it. And I did everything. I did costume. I did choreography. I did the set. I did, I did everything. Like, and it was, it took a whole semester and it took me literally carving out the amount of time that I would carve out for a class, but I was able to do it. And it was really good. Nice. I love that. That's very, one lesson for people out there listening, ask what you want because the school has money. Um, school always has it. money. Like You're paying for it. This is a service. <laughs> get, your, get your return. Right. Um, right. Very true. And also, yeah, the process of creating is really the process of getting to know yourself better, getting to like, break down these walls or break down these ideas of what you have of, your, of yourself or of the world and like figure out what's true to you. Yeah. Um, so I think that like, I think that is amazing. I think that's, that's commendable and like necessary. Like that's the path that we should all have access to. Yeah. Um, so you, you in your signature, I was gonna ask, it's so funny. Your answers, I literally love that uh, because, like, that's true. Like, we all are. Um, and I think when you think of yourself in that way, you, you, um, you, I don't know, you move differently. You, you think about the world differently. You understand. Um, maybe you don't always know your like exact purpose in the in the moment, but like you definitely. Um, are aware that there are things before and after you and they're you know you are just a piece in it all and so um, for you what do you hope your legacy to be um, or, or what are you asking the universe to like bring you toward yeah yeah the whole future ancestors thing I started thinking about because um, I have a nephew my sister had a baby um, he's how he was born in late August. So he'll be two next August. Um, and that sort of like seeing him for the first time, um, I saw him for, I, he was born literally like 36 hours before I had to fly back to campus for my last year. <laughs> um, so I saw him, but I didn't get to hold him. Um, and see, just seeing him like changed a lot for me because it was like, whoa, this moment where I just had to think about how I was, the place that I would hold in his life and how I influenced him. And I asked myself this question a lot of like, if he ever came to me for advice, would I give him the right advice? Or like, would, 
am I creating a world for him where he will be able to do the things that we were talking about in the beginning, like feel joy and feel love and feel rage, but be able to use that rage to create something beautiful. Um, and it, it, it's scary, I think more than anything to think about. Um, I always feel like I'm gonna do the wrong thing and I have a lot of fear around being a parent myself. I don't plan on ever having children for many reasons, but a lot of what I feel is just fear of knowing, knowing how the world and people have influenced me as a child and growing up and even as an adult and like a teenager and everything, thinking about how I will influence other people. And especially as somebody who like has pretty bad mental health disorder, like the effects from my mental health disorders are pretty bad. Like I have to think a lot about how I treat other people through that. Um, like if I'm being manic, am I snapping at other people? Am I taking it out on other people? Like that's not okay. And I think that I try to channel my energy into healing myself and helping others heal themselves. I don't, I like to think of myself as a healer, but not in the sense that I like, that people can come to me and be like, oh, Tanya, like, what do I do about like my broken heart or like my inner child trauma? Like, I don't know. I'm not a therapist. I haven't I have, I feel that I'm a very spiritual person, but I don't feel like I have been gifted any power to be able to like tell other people what they need to do. But like, I very much believe that we know what we need to do to heal ourselves. We've just forgotten and we just need to remember. Um, and so I think if anything, that's the legacy that I want to leave behind is just reminding people that if you take away all the blockages and all the toxicity, and all the bullshit that the world has put on us that has told us that we need things like white people or like the government or like money or like that we need to be in like a cis hetero monogamous relationship. Like, no, we don't need any of those things. If you think back to like before colonization, like what did people need? They needed each other and they needed the land and they needed the water. And so, I think if we go back to those things and remember what people used to do, and this is why I'm obsessed with archives and why I'm obsessed with spiritual traditions and like historical traditions is because I believe that what my ancestors went through has always prepared me for what I'm gonna go through. All I've been through is gonna prepare the descent, my descendants for what they're gonna go through. You know, whether or not I have kids, I believe that like I will influence other people. And in a lot of ways, those will be my descendants. And so all of these things like come together and I just would like to live a life where I can remind people to just sort of like really look inside of themselves and be like, what did my ancestors do when they were going through it? Because like, if my ancestors, could live through slavery, then I can live through whatever bullshit coup is happening right now. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure I have the tools necessary to figure it out. I may have forgotten, but I think through things like meditation, through things like ritual, especially ritual, I think finding and remembering how to do ritual for me 
was like a game changer like knowing knowing to just sort of like sit still in front of a candle and in front of a picture of my granny like my I feel like that intuition was triggered in me because of my sister for sure my sister Hetsy um because she started like buying me crystals and lighting candles and things like that and then from there it was just sort of like everything came to me very quickly and I was like oh I know how to do this like something in me was like I know how to do this um and so yeah and I just hope that people aren't afraid to look inside of themselves and to look back um a lot of people are really afraid of ritual a lot of people are really afraid for example of like animal sacrifice but it's like we are not the ones destroying the planet with animal sacrifice if anything we're saving the planet with animal sacrifice because you're sacrificing animals in the name of abundance and prosperity for the earth and so you give that blood back to the earth you know like it's like it, it's levels to it and like for people to say that animal sacrifice is like of the devil is like to completely misunderstand the entire cosmology of african-american and African religious, spiritual, religious and spiritual traditions, like, but that's a whole other, that's like a whole other, I could talk about that for days, but. <laughs> um, I guess the, the next and sort of last question I have for you is who are you choosing to be next in your, in this new chapter, these new journeys that you're embarking on, and or um, are there any sort of projects that you're working on that you'd like to share? Yeah, so I, um, like I said, I've been doing a lot of submissions. I've also been selling a lot of artwork. So I'm having a Jupiter return sale. Um, if you want to look at the details, you can, um, it's not on my website. I guess I should probably put it on my website. But it's, if you go to at tired, not tired, but sleepy um, on Instagram, there's like a couple posts with the um, information about that. Um, but I'm selling uh, actually an abundance gift package that's $111 and it has a copy of my chapbook that's actually sold out. So it's the only way that you can get a copy of the chapbook right now. Um, a copy of Juntos, a copy of Forgive Yourself, um, each of four bookmarks that I just made, um, a print that I just made that's not going to, it's limited edition, so I'm not going to be making them forever. Um, and all of that together, it's worth like $175, but I'm selling it for $111. So um, there's that. And then everything, the prints, the bookmarks, and the zines, um, not the chapbooks, so are also on sale. Um, so you can look at that. The order form is in the bio. Besides the submissions, I am looking into grad school programs and scholarship programs. So if anybody knows of any, like, archivist, libraries, science, scholarships, send them my way. Besides the spectrum, like spectrum, like I already know about that one, but there's like a bunch of other ones that I really like probably don't know about. Um, and then I'm probably gonna be releasing more work of my own. Um, I am in the process of putting together a zine that I was supposed to release with my sister a couple years ago after I studied abroad in Mexico, but never released um and so i don't know when that one's coming out it usually only takes me 
like about a month or so to put out a project when I really want to do it, but I have a day job now, so I don't know how that's going to look, but <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know. I mean, I put the chat book out when I had my day job, so we, we will see, but I've got, I've got some good stuff coming. Um, everything is usually either on my Instagram, like I said, at not tired, but sleepy, um, because that's literally the story of my life. Like I'm always sleepy. I'm never tired because I don't really like be doing shit with my body, but like I'm always sleepy. Um, like I'm drinking this coffee right now. I'm like so sleepy. Um, <laughs> and um, also if you ever want to order um, just like zines or anything else that's released, you can also watch my performance and read my poetry. There's also some essays that have never been published that I wrote in college that are there. Um, it's just tanyacalvin.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, for the listeners, be sure to follow us at dig3x. Um, and this book giveaway is featured tons of tons of, okay, I say tons, but I mean like a nice solid five <laughs> or so of, of like of writers who have just been really gracious um, and, and donating their works. And so I really hope that you all check them out and enter. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you again. Like this was um, exciting mm -hmm. and um, unexpected. You know, I, I didn't know how this connection was going to work, but it, it worked. Um, and a lot of those things are, are definitely relevant um to the world and also like to myself and so thank you for sharing um yeah, of yeah. course thank you for having me this was so fun